You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network that has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also Bat-related shows that like to dive into other nerdy subjects. There we go. That all of us, including Peter Vera, love to frolic about in our free time. Batman Book Club is also on Patreon, so if you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study, just go to the bat- patreon.com slash thebatmanbc. Now, thank you for listening to episode 146, The Doom That Came to Gotham. It's that time of year, once again, where I'm starting to get a little too big for my britches. I'm starting <laughs> to think that I know a lot more than I really do about the subject of Batman. So as as you should always do, you need someone to come in and knock you down a few pegs. And I can't think of anybody better. He's done it twice before in the history of this show. He's put me in my place on Batman knowledge. He's the host of the Swamp Things podcast. He's a bit of a professor himself. It's one Sir Robert Reinecke. Robert, welcome back to the Batman. Oh, it's Book always Club. a pleasure. <laughs> Yes, I enjoy having you on the show. I always uh, become the student when you come on this show as you you teach us all many of things. So Yeah, like how to overprepare. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot better than underpreparing because then you sound like a fool. Um, so, yes, I, I appreciate that you came back on here. Uh, I'm glad that we're talking, that we've settled on the book that we're going to talk about. Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. This is an Elseworlds story released in three issues in 2000 and I think January of 2001. Uh, it was written by Mike Mignola and Richard Pace with art by Troy Nixie. Uh, they had came out in physical issues. Uh, and then finally, it looked like in 2015, they were collected and released in a trade paperback. They are available digitally. Um, they're also on DC Universe, Infinite Ultra. The trade is, actually. Uh, and then the actual uh, upcoming, uh, actually in just a few weeks, is a new updated trade paperback version. Uh, and then the first trade paperback is available on my favorite app of all time, Hoopla. Uh, <laughs> Coincidentally, that's, that's where I read it. <laughs> oh, is it now? That's the version yeah. that you read? Yeah. I, I remember having the original first issue in my hand back in the day, but uh, I I I think I said when when I saw that they weren't actually doing it at the Mountains of Madness and they're actually doing something in Gotham, I said, "Well, I I, I was I was hoping that they would have kept with the Mountain of Madness as an adventure <laughs> setting." <laughs> so did you get did you get all three issues when they were first released? I did not. You didn't just the first. Okay. 
I, I looked at it on the rack and it didn't. <laughs> yeah, we'll pass. We'll pass on this one. I'll, I'll, it's, a, it's a little expensive and I wasn't as much into Lovecraft at that time, though I gotcha. read that The Mountains of Madness. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I definitely recognized it as a Lovecraft riff right away, but. <laughs> I actually, it's really silly. I don't know why I did this. Um, I own them digitally, but I went ahead and I checked it out through Hoopla because um, I love Hoopla. So I guess I just opened it up on Hoopla and and, uh, checked out the trade paperback through that. So read it digitally. Um, So I guess you kind of just answered this, but I'd say, do you remember when you first read this? (laughs) Well, I think I first read it when we settled on doing it, uh, okay. but I, I just reread it uh, yesterday. Oh, okay. So yeah. this is, oh, interesting. Fact, this is I'm going to have new. to run and grab my notes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, so I actually... Hold on a second here, Robert Reinecke. Did I read this story before you did? I read it in 2017. <laughs> that's, a, that's a change of pace. Did did you just become the student, Robert? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, no, stay tuned, people. So. <laughs> you know, he's going to knock me down a few. Um, and then, I mean, you can explain the story here of uh, why the doom that came to Gotham. Why slash how did that become the book that we talked about? Well, because there's a big animated movie coming out at the end of this month. <laughs> there you go. I think you and I, because you also... And um, and I, I looked at it and I go, oh, you need somebody to talk Lovecraft with you, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I could feel I, your eyes light up through the the DM screen on Facebook uh, <laughs> talking Lovecraft. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have knowledge of Lovecraft. So uh, I would be thrilled when you return to the show that this is the book we talk about, because then you can definitely spot like references and give some more background and context to certain things that maybe I just took as is at mm-hmm. face value in the story. And that maybe many of us did slash do with this story, uh, take it face value. And well, actually, if you look into it a little bit more, you know, this actually hints towards this and, and yada, yada. So um, all of that came together really well and getting you back on here for this being the one to talk about. Um, the first thing that I want to, I really want to note with the story is it being an Elseworld story? And I love that. I, I really actually, more often than not, I really enjoy the Elseworld stories that I read because mm-hmm. I know kind of all bets are off. And there are yeah. a lot of cool ways that you're noticing bringing in the normal, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne slash Gotham world into play, but seeing how they're doing twists with it. And then also, like, you you honestly, you don't know what is going to happen in the story. Because at least in, you know, main Batman books and stuff like that, you know that some characters are safe. You know that somehow, some way, Bruce Wayne's going to live. and Or if he if he dies, he's not really dead. He's coming back or something like that. Whereas in mm-hmm. Elseworlds stories, anybody can bite the dust at any moment. At any time. time. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, I, I remember, I think it was just, I was on a trip, actually. And I was looking to load up my iPad with reading material. And I think Amazon or DC, you know, the DC app at the time, or maybe both were having digital sales. Uh, and this was one of the digital sales is $4.99. And I'm like, I've never read this one. I don't have this one. So sure, why not? 
and have the cool Mag- magnolia cover <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and it caught my interest on that I'm like i know i've seen this cover before i've just i know i've just never read this story so it was like five bucks digital sure why not and then i read it in the hotel room and i can i'll, I'll flat out admit i was very indifferent to it the first read um I don't know what I expect. I think I went into it completely blind. I just didn't know anything about it other than what the cover looked like and Mike Magnola's uh, involvement. And so I read it all the way through and I was just a little like, I don't know. And I actually hadn't revisited it until this past weekend when I reread it. And I liked it quite a bit. And this is before you're going to tell me all about stuff that went over my head. (laughs) <laughs> um, but at face value, I actually like I I actually I dug this quite a bit. It took a little bit of like a a strange kind of weird turn for me, almost mm-hmm. maybe a little too bit. But that wasn't prolonged. That was actually kind of quick and then kind of came back and, and I was all right with it. So with this being I mean, I guess we can start, first of all, since this is a fresh read for you, new read, like what were your thoughts first read through or your overall impressions of it? Well, obviously, we'll get into the Lovecraftiness of it yeah. uh, at, at <laughs> before we get too far along. But I thought it was good. It took me a little while to get used to Troy Nixie's artwork there. I, I, I really think he does a good job with the environments. Gotham certainly has this grimy, soot-covered look to it. Um, and I think he, he does it that. But uh, I, I kind of struggle with the way he draws some faces here and there. Especially sure, since yeah. I never could tell Tim, Dick, or Jason apart at sight. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of reminds me of like I don't have to for long. I hear at least so. <laughs> like the Gotham by Gaslight animated movie, I think the the Robins were kind of yeah, pretty much seemed to me very very similar in face. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so maybe it's like an Elseworlds moniker of no, they all have to look the same. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. But as I said, it's not a problem for long. <laughs> yeah. So you overall, you did like it. And then. Yeah, I think it's very atmospheric and uh, the art. And I, I think there's some cool ideas in here, but I, I'm not in love with the story, but I like it. OK. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I am, too. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of funny in how the, the title to me of I don't know what it's referencing, but the doom that came to Gotham um that's a cool title <laughs> it, it is a cool title it almost seems very blunt you know of yep troubles are coming <laughs> and the story is kind of like discovering yeah this guy something's off with him and he was messing with something frozen inside of like you know like a glacier or something um and they brought him back to gotham and actually with him, yeah, some some weird stuff is going to happen now. Doom is coming. You know, like <laughs> bluntly put, that's kind of that kind of is the setup. Now, that's not all that the story is by any no. means. But the the hook like right away, I think I was. There was almost a little bit of. a, a Like a Dracula vibe with me a little bit. And how the guy that they found and brought back, uh, Glendon, mm-hmm. I think. Glendon, okay. I think it is. Okay. Uh, 
parts something with him um just on the ships cruising back to gotham made me think of what's um is it renfield oh, the, is that uh, dracula's assistant renfield yeah yeah like in there's that original that, yeah. and there looks there's like also... him he's he's weird he's in the bottom of a ship as it's coming like it just made me think of that a little bit mm-hmm. there, there is that and there's a uh, the voyage of uh dracula to england that's probably best exactly done in nosferatu <laughs> mm-hmm. yes um and i mean right out the gate we get that's our first nod to you know or you know like wink if you will is that they're going after this this expedition in Antarctica in 1928, but it's, you know, they're looking for penguin looking for a good old Ozzy himself. Who's become one with the penguins, Uh, (laughs) you know, and and that was kind of unique. I didn't remember that at all. There wasn't a whole lot that I did remember except for one thing in which we will get to. Uh, I think it's, it is like an interesting, an interesting setup though. And not until, I flipped back to after I finished reading it, I flipped back to, you know, some of the beginning pages and looked at them over again. And kind of what something that's happening to the penguins in that, I think is. Oh, OK, it was, you know, oh, it was there from the beginning of whatever's kind of starting on the penguins like. That's that the, the vibe of that in the connection to another character in the story later on of Harvey Dent, it seems like, you know what I mean? of Little. Mm-hmm. Little, almost like to me, it made me think of like little suction cups on Octopi, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know if that's you know accurate or you know or not. But uh, the setup here with this thing that's down there in Antarctica, mm-hmm. um, hit me with it now, Robert. Is is that a that in itself yet a nod to something with it's- H.P. Lovecraft? It's definitely a nod to At the Mountains of Madness. Okay. Um, which is basically scientific expedition in Antarctica basically goes missing. Uh, okay. Um, they unearth a creature in the ice and it comes alive and basically kills everyone and then they follow it back to a, a city hidden in, hidden in the Antarctic mountains and discover kind of the history of uh, ancient beings that had colonized the world and uh, are going to come back to uh, rule it someday. Basically Cthulhu. Good good Lord. All right. So there we are already. There's (laughs) a lot more to it than I thought. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the start of it. And it it should be mentioned that uh, uh, At the Mountains of Madness was rejected by uh, John W. Campbell of amazing stories the uh the probably the premier science fiction pulp of the time mm-hmm. and he kind of turned into his own his own version of that uh with all those without all the weird lovecraftian stuff called uh who goes there which was eventually made into the thing from another world and the thing mm. so when they say uh at the beginning uh what is it the thing is coming it has yeah. uh double meaning <laughs> gotcha now is is the the time period of 1928 is that significant not in particular other than that's when uh, uh lovecraft would be writing mo- many of his works that he'd be remembered for gotcha so because i what I do, do you know about lovecraft <laughs> i don't know I don't, anything i've never read okay. 
Um, so yeah, you're getting me to admit my stupidity here, Robert. I don't know anything at all. I'm a fraud. Well, what? Why don't I give you the the Lovecraft 101 spiel? There you go. Have at it. All right, kids. <laughs> okay. We have an we have a little spot here. <laughs> if you're not interested in know all this, skip ahead 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but I I fully appreciate that it's a t- you know it's a time period piece with Batman. Yes. Much like I, I, I love the Gotham by Gaslight story. Yeah, this is um, about and, thirty years later, thirty-eight years later, the Gotham yeah, by Gaslight. So yeah, and I, I just I really like that because that is how you can I think it helps you to accept differences in you know, yeah. you you accept the else worlds because it's like, well, this is you know, nineteen twenty eight, so obviously everything's gonna be different. Mm-hmm. So um is easier pill to swallow at that point. I really liked that right off the bat, you kind of learn quickly of Dick, Jason and Tim are all basically assistants are all like wards of Bruce Wayne. And much like with Batman lore, he's returning to Gotham city after being absent. Um, And here it says 20 years. Adventure of some sort. uh, Yeah. During these missing years. Yeah. And The thing with me that it's kind of, I don't know, he, he, I mean, I guess he says it in the page as he goes to like his own cabin in the ship. And he says, you know, this is how it starts. 20 years waiting for something, waiting for what, whatever it is, it's close now. And you see, that's where he's got his cape and cowl. Yeah. You know, he's got the utility belt and stuff like that. So it is like, he's. It's an intriguing. It's an intriguing setup. Yeah, it's with like, what promise of adventure to come. <laughs> yeah, promise of adventure to come. But I think gone is. It almost seems like, and this is an Elseworlds tale, like this is Batman's only mission that he's ever mm-hmm. that he's had. Because at least I was left under the impression that in this story, this is the first time he's put that cape and cowl on. Yeah, and, that's my impression too. Okay. I mean, he's been preparing for a while, but he hasn't found his mission yet. Yeah. And something about this just like kicks off seeming strange to where, you know, like whatever it is, it's close now. Like, oh, now's the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like the inclusion of like going back to Wayne Manor after again, 20 years of being gone. But I think finding the, um, the man in the in Antarctica does set things in motion, but I do think returning to Wayne Manor like accelerates it mm-hmm. because they that's where they find the dead body in Wayne Manor, which is Langstrom, and then that's just the mystery the the ball of yarn that starts to un you know unravel un- uh, unravel <laughs> or lead them like through it. yeah or start the path that's going to lead them through this adventure. Yeah, absolutely. So I promised you basically kind of like the floor. Um, I know I'm the host, but I will just end up skipping all over things that you probably want to touch upon a reference. So yeah, um, I give the floor to you to just kind of what do you want to what do you want to well, highlight? Let's let's talk about Lovecraft a little bit. Just so okay. have at it. this one. This one is steeped in Lovecraft. OK, um, I'll, I'll just say that there's going to be parallels and, you know, Batman came out of the pulps and Lovecraft is one of the pulp writers. Uh, I won't say influenced Bill Finger because he clearly was a, more of a fan of the shadow than he was of Lovecraft. 
You yeah. can tell by the stories he wrote, but mm-hmm. others were like Gardner Fox was definitely a fan of Lovecraft. His first year of Dr. Fate in 1940 uh, is very clearly a Lovecraft pastiche. And I, I'd probably go Gardner Fox did write the first uh, story of Batman versus Supernatural with Batman versus the Mad Monk. Mm-hmm. So I would say at this point, Lovecraft's influence starts to affect Batman. So uh, Lovecraft was born in 1890 in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, he came from a family in wealth, which generally doted on by his mom and aunts as a young boy. Um, in April 1893, Lovecraft's father was committed to an institution and never came out, dying in 1898. His death certificate basically listed syphilis as the source of the mental and physical breakdown, although it's not known if Lovecraft himself knew it. Um, Lovecraft's mother was devastated by the early death and apparently never really recovered. Uh, she was institutionalized herself before her death. And to top things off in the early 1900s, the family finances took a downward turn and never recovered. Mm. So Lovecraft was raised in a family with death, madness, and descent into financial ruin on their minds. Jeez. Fertile breathing ground for a future horror writer, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you say he passed away? Uh Lovecraft passed away at in 1937 at the age of okay. 46. Um, he, I guess, I guess it was part of it was due to his poor diet because he never made much of a living, and reportedly ate poorly, spending a lot of his money on postage because he had a a circle of friends that he wrote to every day. Today he'd be in his basement writing uh pub, writing uh. Boom, boom, and this uh, post on the internet. <laughs> oh, gotcha. But he had to do it the old-fashioned way at the time. <laughs> so when, uh, so, when did... So, he, so Lovecraft published roughly 70-some stories, most of them short story to novella length. Uh, the longest being maybe short novels like uh, At the Mountains of Madness or The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. Um, as, a, as a child, uh, Lovecraft was in poor health and... and and an avid reader since he was so often bedridden. He had a particular interest in mythology and astronomy. Um, it's very easy to see the influence of Poe on Lovecraft if you read him. And supposedly uh, uh author like Lord Dunsany was a heavily influence on him too. But it's it's very clear that he read a wide variety of supernatural natural literature. Uh, in, in addition to Lord Dunsany, he read the likes of Ambrose Bierce, Bierce Arthur Mackin, who wrote The King in Yellow, which if you watch True Detective Season 1, they reference heavily. Mm-hmm. Or not Arthur Mackin, Robert W. Chambers wrote The King in Yellow. My mistake there. Uh, oh, they're going to come after you now, Robert. <laughs> Aldrin Blackwood was also an influence. So you... you And uh, while Lovecraft wanted to be uh, uh, an astronomer, he couldn't hack the math. Uh, so instead, he turned to writing in the early 1920s. Would be would start to be published semi regularly in the pulp magazine Weird Tales. He never really was a star of an issue of Weird Tales, but he certainly had his fan base and he certainly had his friends. Uh, Robert E. Howard, the author Conan, being one of them, um, and a, another one being a, a a teenaged Robert Block, who would go on to write Psycho, and. Uh, was certainly one of the influences. Oh, I've heard of it. You've heard of that. 
So that, that part of his influence would, would be his uh, circle of friends too. And uh, they, they certainly just discuss the in and outs of uh, writing between the two of them. And they even like uh, uh, killed each other off in separate stories that they wrote for fun. So uh, I guess uh, Lovecraft was killed off in Robert Block's, uh, what's it, Stalker at the Doorstep or something like that. And uh, Block killed off uh, Lovecraft, or Lovecraft killed off Block in uh, his final story, The Haunter in the Dark. Uh, so they had fun that way. <laughs> Lovecraft even used Robert Block's uh, uh, actual address in Milwaukee at the time for that. <laughs> oh, nice. So you said that he died at what 46? 46. At 46. So and he's like he was never very finan- popular at the time. So uh, yeah, not popular and basically financially unstable. How long after his uh death did he start to did his work start to get really recognized? Because even if like uh, myself, it was probably, it was probably in the post-war period when his work was collected by uh August Durleth and uh, uh, what's his the other name here that I should know? Um, well, it doesn't really matter. It was out of a the Arkham House uh, uh, press, which was started up by August Durleth in uh, uh, Sauk City, Wisconsin. Hmm. They would collect his work, and they had some cheap volumes that became popular with GIs returning from the war, and. Because- uh, I, I a dummy like me who hasn't read his stuff, I still recognize the name and I know that the name, you know, carries weight. So yeah. that's it's almost like that's unfortunately like another don't want to exaggerate it at all, but it's almost like it's another tragedy of the guy's work wasn't seen and appreciated until after way after his death. So he didn't yeah. get to experience people experiencing his work and liking his work and, you know, riding that wave of popularity. Yeah. So that's, that's, well, there's, there's uh, some reasons for that too. Sad. I mean, yeah. Like, with, without context to me, sometimes that, that is sad. Cause it's like, oh man, you should have got the credibility, that, you know, you deserve because people eventually got to your work and, you know, really appreciate it. And it influences so much stuff like Batman stories. Oh yeah, I mean Stephen King is clearly a fan of Lovecraft, although he certainly is not a fan of Lovecraft's dialogue. Oh, gotcha, <laughs> he okay. made fun of it himself in uh, uh, "The Lonesome Death of Jordy Vero Even in oh, my show. <laughs> but that's that's clearly a play on "At the Mountains of uh, No The Color Out of Space," mm-hmm. um, which is one of Lovecraft's best songs. <laughs> I've heard of that best movie. stories. <laughs> of course, I've heard of the movie. Yes, <laughs> that it was based on a story. Yes, um, I, okay, just, so, I I should say he Lovecraft started to gain some yeah. attention in the forties too. After his death, there's a episode, a radio drama, I think for suspense, it's an adaptation of the Dunwich Horror. Mm-hmm. So that's out there on the internet for free if you're looking for something to listen to. <laughs> there you go. And, um, so anything that you come across then of Magnolia. I don't know when it comes to like co-writers on a story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, credited writers here, Mike Mignola, Richard Pace. You know, I'm always intrigued of how does a relationship like that work when it comes to writing a story? Um, and yeah, that's the that's... influences of Lovecraft. Like, 
how did this even assemble and who's more of a fan? Are they both equally a fan? And, <laughs> and you know, that kind of like working on a story yeah. and including that sort of stuff that always interests me. And I don't know if you ever came across anything like that for this. Book. I have it, but I know uh, Magnolia has done references to uh, Lovecraft in uh, Hellboy. Oh, and okay. it, it certainly pops up the the first film by Guillermo del Toro, although I don't know how much that's del Toro and how much that's Magnolia. <laughs> gotcha. But this there, let me tell you a little bit more about uh, Lovecraft's uh, stories, just so we we we're on the same footing on what Lovecraft actually Lovecraftian actually means. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you heard that term. Lovecraftian, yes. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's just kind of use sometimes rather than uh, people know what it means like lynchian <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh lovecraft basically uh issued uh vampires werewolves and ghosts for alien gods and their cultists interdimensional beings prophetic dreams some body horror concerns about what we inherit from our ancestors going <laughs> insane from putting together knowledge man was not meant to know Okay, well, some of these these that you're you're firing off, I'm like, okay, Batman story here, this Batman story, (laughs) yes, this Batman story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you you can certainly look at uh, it. I mean, some of the things they they had had something of a shared universe between uh, uh, Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard. They would all make up their own books, like... uh, uh, Lovecraft made up the Necronomicon, uh, which would, which figures into this story basically. But uh, um, Clark Ashton Smith and uh, uh, Robert E. Howard had their own books, and uh, Robert Block had Divermis Mysteries, so they had fun making up their own uh, grimoires, <laughs> grimoires or whatever you however you pronounce it. <laughs> um, so you can see like the Necronomicon will pop up in Evil Dead. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like most people, at least in this, you know, kind of circle, nerd circle and stuff, Necronomicon, I think a lot of people would think, oh, that was the book that was created in the Evil Dead. They came up with the name Necronomicon. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> eh, I don't think so. But I, yeah. I I, love how it's used in that. But I think in this story, is it fair to say that's the testament of Ghoul? Yes, that is the testament of Ghoul Boom. in this story. Yeah, I got one. I got one right. Yeah. Okay, so as you just so as you just said that, what just uh, like a little a bell over here that I'm like ding ding ding. Um, <laughs> and of course, one... Arkham is the is the city that uh, uh, Lovecraft came up um, with, based on Salem, uh, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Arkham was his substitute, and Arkham has certainly made its way into Batman. <laughs> <laughs> has it i must have missed that but with here an inclusion of body horror yeah um i think of what happens to harvey dent yeah um the what did you say something about like uh something passed on through families yes ancestry yes uh ancestry. back to haunt the modern <laughs> okay yeah and that obviously with the um langstrom queen wayne families and then uh crosby yeah. jacob manford Yep, and there's a using the dust to reanimate the dead is right straight out of the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Okay. Now, how about 
I, um, I got one more thing I, I think I need to no, just you gotta to get tell off your you chest. about. Okay, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's also cannibals in the boondocks, which I think uh, was something that Lovecraft kind of created <laughs> oh, well, during his cannibals. time. So kind of kind of foresaw uh, Psycho and uh, and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only thing that's kind of left out of this story. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> wow, Magnolia, you couldn't go there? <laughs> and I should know that uh, Lovecraft did know uh, uh, Julius Schwartz during his lifetime. Uh, oh, Julius really? Schwartz was a, a a literary agent, and he represented uh, a couple of his stories, uh, including "At the Mountains of Madness" and "The Shadow Out of Time." And it, he also arranged what's called an exquisite court, which is when you get like a a bunch of authors together, and each one writes one chapter and picks up where the other one left off. Um, oh. called uh, The Challenge from Beyond, which is kind of uh, amusing when you read it just because Lovecraft ended the story with this g- guy trapped in this alien body. And then Robert mm-hmm. E. Howard picked up right away. And instead of despairing, Robert E. Howard's going like, wait, I'm now in this powerful alien body and I have all the cunning and uh, uh, ruthlessness of a human? I'm going to take over this place. And then he goes Lovecraft on the alien would-be conquerors. Goes all Conan on the would-be cockers. So, oh, the, the something that I—it's not a visual that I do remember in this story, and I feel—I don't know if this is Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. but is almost like the vision that Bruce has, and it's yes. like the the monster squid. Yes, is what I almost think about. Yeah, that's 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 good because. Tentacles are one thing everybody seems to know about Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, what's what's the but there's like, also the connection a, there's there? also hmm? apparently he did he he kind of had a fear of the sea and what lived in it. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. All right. You know, sometimes being kind of a reclusive eccentric has its bonuses. This car coming up with things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus. Oh, okay, sign so, me up. <laughs> it may be a creative bonus. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's go ahead so there, there there's been some entanglements especially since when uh julius Schwartz was editor at batman you'd have things like arkham asylum become a thing and uh there's a 60 story called the outsider which has a, shares a name with a lovecraft story called the outsider um and i i would say secret of the waiting graves can be seen as being influenced by uh lovecraft's the picture in the house but I would also say that Poe was obviously an influence on that too, but <laughs> but that that's kind of the, something you could say. So I I would say Lovecraft kind of may have influenced Dennis O'Neill and uh, uh, Neil Adams in that kind of heavy gothic current that Batman was also going through when he relaunched. Well, but, I like the vibe yeah. of stuff that you tell me though, of like with yeah. that kind of horror you yeah. know that horror vibe and, and everything and atmosphere and you know that kind of stuff like that just bodes very well that pairs very well with batman and gotham yeah i i should point out that one of the elephants in the room that by 21st century standards lovecraft is a racist xenophobic uh anti-semite okay by the standards of the 20s and 30s he's also a racist uh xenophobic anti-semite oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So well, consider that a, a ward a trigger warning. A warning. But, okay. I mean, he also had a Jewish wife, so 
Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Complicated guy, apparently. Robert, this is where we stop mentioning the name H.P. Lovecraft, and we move on to just Batman, okay? Let's cover Fair all enough. our bases here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but so I was actually going to move on to, so as you were, you know, as I said, with elements that you were talking about and like some of the, the mm-hmm. story nods and everything that it was hitting on, some of the familiar names, so aside from the uh, three Robins and Bruce Wayne and then Alfred's in this too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small snippet of Gordon, but then I'd say yeah. he's that a is- hero. He's more of an ally, even though they don't have scenes together or anything, but Harvey Dent is a good guy in this. Yeah. Um, it, it, he remains a good guy throughout. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the, the tragedy still happens to him, yeah. but the, as far as like villains, we get a lot of, a lot of actual villains in this story. Yeah. Uh, Grendon, Ultimately, it just basically ends up becoming Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Uh, it's also killed. also somewhat based on Lovecraft's story, Cool Air, about oh, a guy cool. who uh, finds a way to extend his life indefinitely, but he can't uh, survive in uh, warm temperatures. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. All right. We get a killer croc in here. Yep. Um, more on him. Kind of ba- based on Lovecraft's uh, The Deep Ones from The Shadow <laughs> Over Innsmouth. <laughs> All right, so we're two for two. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. The Al Ghouls, both Talia and Roz, or Raish. Mm-hmm. Not, they're they're kind of still Talia and, and ah, Roz. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe maybe a little bit of Lovecraft mixed into them. I mean, he you could say that uh, Roz is the mad heir of... Uh, let me let me see that name again. I can't remember it. Never remember it. <laughs> the the mad era of Abdul Al Hazarad, who is who wrote the Necronomicon. <laughs> oh, jot that name down, folks. Uh, Poison Ivy. Yeah, Lang- she's not based on anything in particular. Uh, Langstrom. Yep. And then Langstrom Penguin. is basically Langstrom. <laughs> yep, and then and then Penguin is in there very briefly, but like I said, he's mm-hmm. one with the Penguins. And then I should also mention Oliver Queen is an ally yep. in this story as well. Yes. <clears throat> so the, how, how very you, briefly, <laughs> yeah. How would you pronounce so the the doom that came to Gotham, and then the doom that is coming to Gotham? So how would you pronounce that? Iog Safa. Iog, yeah, something like that. It's it's it's, it's very uh, much a ba- uh, variation on Gog's Belfast from uh, uh, Lovecraft, but all their names are kind of uh, nonsense that uh, Lovecraft came up with. Yeah. almost unpronounceable. Cthulhu, obviously being the most uh, famous, but yeah, I was like, gonna say the most famous. Yeah, and you it, also got like Athathoth and Yogthothoth and Nyarla Totep and Shugdagura. Robert, are you, having, ones, like, are you having a stroke? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> those names, like, wow, you, those are hard to fire off. We should have a spelling contest yes. on those. Spell this one. Um, <laughs> I think most people can spell Cthulhu, though. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that one, like you just said, is the most, it seems like the most um, popular, if you will. And even if you're like, no, I don't think I've heard that. I bet if you see how it's spelled, you're probably like, oh, that's how you say that word? But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. The, the little so Yagsata, that's yeah. that's the the squid, if you will, yeah. that Bruce sees in his vision. Like that's what's gonna come to Gotham. And 
the the these uh, these events that are unfolding are like Talia comes into play. She needs the testament of Ghoul to you know raise her father, bring her father back from the dead, raised from the ashes. Yep. Uh, and then together they're going to bring get this get this squid and what I love about the whole reason that all of this is happening is because of um and I always kind of take it up but it's the sins of the father yes. shall be what's the rest of it I know you know it was it revisited upon the sun or something like that yes like or I think it... that's that's a strong like that's a strong quote that I think has a lot of story and like mm-hmm. you know it's got you can do something just with that. If that's your seed of an idea, I think you can, it can blossom into a pretty, like a a good story. And here we get a flashback sequence of basically like the origins of Gotham itself. And it's the one professor um, that's like, I've never heard of this guy before. So I feel like he's created just for this story. Um, Professor Crosby, Jacob Manford, but he and uh, Bart- Bartley Langstrom, Henry Queen, and Thomas Wayne in telling the flashback of this in a really cool way. So Manford is dead. We do see, we get Barbara Gordon, I also forgot to mention, in this. Mm-hmm. Acknowledges the fact that she, you know, how we knew Barbara Gordon at this time in 2000, 2001 is that, you know, she was paralyzed. So she was in a wheelchair. Well, in this she's in a wheelchair, but it's like, she's got a voice box an early concept voice box, but she speaks with the dead. And I'm like, Oh shit, that's cool. (laughs) Like it is cool. that's That's an original cool idea to throw in here with, with Barbara Gordon. And that's how she's telling the story of, of Manford who then lays out and does the whole flashback uh, in the story about the, the four of them that came basically to Gotham when, you know, uh, like early 1800s, Like he said specifically like, than three, that 319 years ago, you know, and yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And not early 1800s, early 1600s. My math is way off. Um, <laughs> and basically talk about how they traveled with this, warlock named ludwig prin i think um, that's a reference to the scarlet letter there you go this is why we bring you in here robert and <laughs> at least he, the print name is i think <laughs> he, he does some some work on like the the ground i think with he's got the testament of ghoul that he lays on the ground does like a chant or whatever and then the ground opens up and there's this whole city um community whatever you want to say uh kind of made me think of in arkham city like Mm -hmm. the old gotham that's you know that's underneath and gotham was built on a a city um of course it's kind of like dark night dark city yeah there you go my voice just cracked there yeah Yeah. um it's it's also a lovecraft story like this of course there is the statement of randolph carter okay Uh, we won't get in the weeds on that. <laughs> the, and basically underneath there is like these these reptile. This is weird. Reptile people that used to live in that old area and stuff. Well, while they're down there, they're they basically says of as if I, you know, <laughs> it's almost like we said some things and we did some things. We want Gotham to prosper and us to, you know, 
do well, but then at the end of it, they feel like regret and kind of remorse. And so they basically quote unquote kill uh Prin and leave him down there and they go up um they go you know above ground and Gotham prospers they seem to not age which that's a twist mm-hmm. and so they start to like so the men that you know lived it's like they, we don't age so now all of a sudden it's like our you know our off our offspring and you know uh lines of family they just had to start to lie and say like yeah we're you know i was thomas wayne's son and whatever because they're not aging um and then kind of says of the origin now of thomas got impatient he wanted a real family and stuff and that's when uh, he married off and he you know had bruce and stuff but prin didn't die mm-hmm. instead he kept drinking infected or you know uh strange uh liquid underground and it over time morphed him into killer croc yes <laughs> all this is told in the flashback story and i thought that that was really really cool because it does give a lot of weight and explanation to stuff and i think not all flashbacks just work it does feel like oh this mm-hmm. is you know exposition dump this is a massive <laughs> expedition dump okay i get it and it bogs down the story some but i thought this flashback and going through all this stuff it was surprisingly given the subject matter at hand it was kind of it was still easy to follow. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, dumbed down or anything, but it was it was told well and it flowed well and I was able to follow and it carried a lot of weight to what we'd read up to that point and then what we read following mm-hmm. for the ending. Yeah, it, it it made perfect sense in what we had been told before. And, and certainly it's written in the style Lovecraft would have understood mm-hmm. um as as an homage to him. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the, the art is a good compliment to that story. Yeah. Uh, you said it took you a while to get used to some of the art. Yeah, I, I, it did. Um, I, I think in the beginning, especially, I think it, it becomes better later on. Um, gotcha. At least the faces is the only thing I really struggle with because um, I, I don't think Dick, Tim or Jason look much like dick tim or jason and without the word balloons telling me who each is that that's the only way i can identify them i I would also say bruce wayne looks a little pudgy compared to what he usually looks like (laughs) so i i totally get with you on the faces part so the art overall i'm like it's i like the art overall yeah it's good it's very atmospheric atmospheric for sure i think that's the best part about it for um but the faces i think are like you said because i'm looking at one page now and it's after when everybody's basically out on the dock looking out at the ship that's now completely frozen over and then you go to the next page and it's just like you know it's a bunch of the people all gathered and even bruce is amongst some of them on the top panel and all that looks good and then it's like you look at the bottom and another face and it's like Wait, what? It just looks off. And so there is a little bit of almost like an inconsistency there, I think. Um, so I think I just highlighting your point that yeah, I think, and I know maybe that's nitpicky or harsh or something, but I think the atmospheres, which that's for me, that would for this story, that would have to be the thing that like, no, that has to work. 
and it yeah. does uh faces i can just kind of be like yeah well, you know whatever whatever so i do think yeah. that the art overall is good um it's not you know nowhere near like oh this is one of the best illustrated stories batman stories i've read or anything like that but it's definitely not like anywhere near mm-hmm. the worst bottom yeah. so it's definitely in in that middle that popular yeah. middle which is completely fine i am surprised mcnola didn't do this himself though yeah mcnola is busy and he probably makes a lot more than he makes from comics doing other stuff <laughs> that's true <laughs> but i mean well yeah i mean yeah, but it definitely played in the Gotham by Gaslight space uh, mm-hmm. with with Batman and uh, the architecture, and uh, it certainly doesn't have all of his toys and gadgets that he would have. I would say I don't recognize uh, Jason Blood at sight. Yeah, usually he's easy to pick out. Uh, so here's a which is a fun. I, I'm surprised he reinvented him. He looks more like David Thewlis to me than he does like the comics <laughs> Jason Blood. <laughs> I, I've said it before on here that I don't really like Etrigan. Did not bother me in this story at all. Didn't mind him. So, hooray. I don't know how they <laughs> did that, but um, didn't mind Etrigan. So I can't say that I don't like Etrigan at all when he didn't necessarily, you know, bother me. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of people that try to imitate Alan Moore's rhyming, yeah. but don't have the skill to do that. <laughs> um, there's some rhyming in here but they don't overdo it <laughs> right. no. um a couple of things of note for me it's it's cool the whole resurrection <laughs> the resurrection of Raza Ghoul. um all of that i think is is done and it's really cool uh i do like the all the signs of the plague with the reptiles yes uh taking over gotham um, that was like one thing with that I remember learning um, younger, like in school and about the plagues and like the biblical touches with that and stuff. And I thought all that was like kind of creepy, but also like cool. Not that I think like frogs are creepy, but, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. just like the fact of like, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the symbolism here. And um, there's like that's an unexplained event. If all of a sudden your city is just overrun with. With reptiles, like no shit, this is this is in the Bible. Like, doom, the doom is coming to Gotham. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you see the signs uh, yeah. coming. I I like the frozen ship in the harbor. It just so kind of looks like. I mean, I guess it's not a biblical plague, but it looks cool, and it's it's just cool. Yeah, it's definitely a net. The um, another like haunted highlight for me definitely too is. Bruce going in the clock tower and stumbling upon somebody dead hanging there. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, fact, I, think that I like the variation on the Wayne murders where they get stabbed to death instead of shot. I think that's yep. kind of a a, a, a nice variation. And that's <laughs> well, maybe not nice, too. but a grisly variation. <laughs> and in that flashback, or not in the flash, well, I mean, technically, yes, the flashback, but it's when Manfred's telling... Um, telling the history that we do find out that that's Oliver Queen's father mm-hmm. that went mad and he's the one responsible for killing the Waynes. Now we're at a point now. And I like, don't, I don't say this as, you know, grumpy old man or anything like that. Just in my lifetime, I've experienced the Wayne murders so much that 
I mm-hmm. don't need them told or a twist on it or anything like that anymore. Cause it's, I feel yeah. like it's pretty tired. We've gotten a lot. So I'm good not needing it. That being said, in the story, um, like I think it was done well. It was a good twist, like you kind of said too. Um, and then to find out, you know, in this story, not in this, not how, as in they got stabbed, or, um, yeah, how they got stabbed, but who was responsible? Who did it? Yes. And why do they did it? Hmm. I mean, it, it's it kind it all comes kind of full circle. Hmm. But yeah. uh let's I, should, see. I should say, just looking at some of the pages here, mm-hmm. just realize that the Jin that uh, that uh, Talia summons yeah. is a variation of Doctor Phosphorus. Yes, well done. Yeah, bravo. So, so they they stuck in more than I thought they did. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think of that make that connection at all. There's a really cool when. Tim wakes up and he stumbles on Oliver all dressed up in armor mm-hmm. and he's he's kneeled in front of which uh let's see I need to find it's some martyr state saint um Saint Sebastian the plague yeah. saint I think that that's a cool story that that's I think mm-hmm. that's kind of there's something that's kind of uh cool about that story and that's based on like real thoughts, you know. It's not like they made it up just for the story, but how I said of basically Saint Sebastian, the plague saint, he can protect from the plague. And Oliver has a crossbow and then four arrows that are stained with his blood. That and had, that's that what they used to kill the the saint, yeah. Yeah, and because I mean, Tim says it. <laughs> Tim looks at the the painting, which is of Saint Sebastian that has four arrows in him, and he's like, "Yeah, who's the pincushion?" And Oliver <laughs> quips back at him, "You know, mind your tongue, child. This is Saint Sebastian, the plague saint." But I like the story of using those arrows, and that's what he's going to go and fight, yeah. uh, fight with, in which he doesn't stand a chance. And then Bruce slash Batman has to take up the, the arrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pick up the mantle. That's better phrased. Yeah. Um, pick up the mantle. Pie. I really like that part. I think that like all of that is just like really cool to me. Yeah, I I, I like how they dispose of Oliver Queen so quickly too. Yeah, <laughs> they build him up like he could have played an important part, and he really does it. <laughs> yeah, as if he was some brave man because he went and fought animals in Africa and he he lost. Um, he's still alive, but he lost. Um. I don't know maybe he did get them, but he lost. Yeah, <laughs> he lost some items um, <laughs> in the process. Yes, and and yeah, yeah, and I think who was it? Is it Manfred as he's catching up Bruce on all this stuff, and he says, you know, thinking that Oliver was testing himself against the most dangerous animals on earth and mastered them all, but he never had a chance against the thing. Langstrom chose you for that, so it was all. So you'd think of Bartley Langstrom's offspring, Kirk, mm-hmm. is whose body is in Wayne Manor, and that's where I, you know, feel like yes, the the very very beginning sets this thing in motion. But Langstrom in Wayne Manor, you realize, you know, towards the end of the story here of like 
that really kicks it and makes it like Bruce wouldn't necessarily be totally involved. He wouldn't have these visions and um and all that if Langstrom wasn't in Wayne Manor. Basically choosing Bruce. Yes. To carry on this mission. <laughs> and I know all of that to right does, the wrong that they were involved in. Yep. And all of that is I know that starts to get out there a little bit. So I think the basis of like how much you enjoy the story is how much can you go along for the ride? And sometimes that like I can't go along for the ride. Sometimes it does go too far for my interest and it just kind of mm-hmm. does lose me. So maybe the first time that I read this, you know, just like laying in bed in a hotel room, like, I don't know, maybe that wasn't and maybe the mood wasn't right or I don't know, something with it. But giving it a second try. It, it did hit for me more, I think, on in. I mean, as I've been saying for however long we've been talking here, I didn't know any of these Lovecraft connections or anything like that, but the atmosphere of it all. And it is like horror, but not in the horror of a masked man with a knife and boo and slice and dice. It's like different, a different type of horror. And I was able to embrace it more on my second read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that they, they do make good use of the 1920s as yeah. well. Yep, I mean, it's it's not modern day. It's, it's not Victorian either. There's somewhere in between, and I feel that it works. Even though Batman. it's yeah, and that's a good point too. And I think I like the time period pieces too because it's you know stripped of more and it's down to basics. Mm-hmm. What's what's Batman's weapon and in, in this four arrows? Like that's kind of it. Otherwise, you know, it's just his brain and his. You know his muscles. His will. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of it. And there's something to appreciate with that. And I'm not saying that I don't like it when he has the gadgets and his, you know, his wings and uh, go firm and he, you know, glides in the night and the Batmobile and all that. Of course, I love all that stuff too. It's just sometimes a different flavor and a strength of this is more basic, um, basic elements. Now I say that, of course, and you have a man that rose from ashes and. A big octopus is coming to take <laughs> take over Gotham. Killer Croc is uh, mauling Robins left and right, but uh, I think that is a strength of something that I do. I do like uh, the weirdest thing. Okay, so I want to get your opinion on this because I almost got a little lost with this. Like this almost got a little too. Okay, what? Poison Ivy uh, scratches Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Harvey Dent gets the worst case of poison ivy that anybody in the history of mankind has ever, uh, ever gotten. Yes. <laughs> and it's this weird growth. Like it's bad enough when he goes to the doctor and you see that it's like it's starting to break out on his left side. So mm-hmm. there's your there's your wink wink two face. But then it <laughs> grows into this weird ass. I don't even know what you'd call it. Uh, body horror gateway to an extra dimension (laughs) yeah and and then yeah and it it spawns a gateway to another dimension which batman walks through and i'm kind of like huh so since this was a a fresh read for you were you all in on that point were you like oh cool or did you have any reservations I, I feel that's like one of my favorite panels there is that, it is uh, okay that gateway uh coming out of Harvey 
I think that's the the full body horror thing going on there. Um, I I really like that one. It's so magic. I, I was in sure. there. It it's it definitely has that kind of uh biomechanical alien feel. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can see you're looking at it and you're like, Batman's walking through a portal. Lucky. <laughs> that's <laughs> all I want to do. Lucky, but <laughs> <laughs> I just want to walk through a portal. <laughs> but I don't exactly. I mean. And then you turn the next page and it is this, you know, path to, I mean, you'd imagine that it's like a, a, a massive forearm with a hand and they're in the middle of that in the palm. But what would you call like takeaway dialogue and anything else? You see this page, like, what would you call that? Um, It's not witchcraft, obviously. Um, yeah. It's not a seance, but it's some sort of ritual. Just, I mean, you just go with just a ritual. Yeah, a summoning ritual of some sort. It looks like just, some... just that's where I can get lost a little bit. Yeah. Now, now, when you include, there's something weird because when it's like more familiar horror, so you'd think of, you know, like witchcraft. You think of a lot of this stuff for like witchcraft yeah. or you know, summoning of the devil or something like that in horror. I, think I, I look at be... this and I think of uh, something like opening a gateway at the, at the climax of uh, the Dunwich Horror, mm. which amusingly enough, it has like three university professors kind of pull out all their equipment and uh, fight this uh, opening of this gateway at the top of a hill with people below us witnessing it. Mm-hmm. So it's basically Ghostbusters uh, yeah. about 60 years prior. <laughs> well, now you're speaking my language, Robert. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like there's something here then you've come across before from that page. The the pages following Batman, maybe even starting with walking through the portal. And mm-hmm. the two the two men that uh turn into you know werewolves essentially. Uh is Which in, is, is, I in, feel, is kind of non-Lovecraftian. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like that's original for this story? I wouldn't say original. I think that's kind of like they couldn't come up with anything better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, let me rephrase then of like, this didn't remind you of a story that you've read other than like the Wolfman, you know, or a scene of like the Wolfman, but this isn't a Lovecraft story that you can I- recall. No, I mean, maybe you could uh, say it's something like the Hound, uh, okay. but it's not really a, a Lovecraft. Lovecraft didn't uh, really go into the werewolves. Uh, I'm trying to think. He uh, he may have written a story where they were co-written a story with werewolves, but he didn't write one himself. <laughs> so honestly, for me, I thought. In rereading it this time at first, I thought that Langstrom had turned into Man Bat and had shown up. And then I actually had to go back and reread and then it and then it dawned on me of like, oh wait, no, never mind. Bruce actually turned into into Man, Man Bat here. <laughs> Which is a, a an interesting um turn, I mm-hmm. think, because usually Lovecraft his great theme was man is insignificant mm-hmm. and you can only like temporarily hold back these dark forces. You, you couldn't stop them or defeat him. 
which one could ask if that really jives with a, a superhero book where mm-hmm. one man is going to make a great difference and yeah. defeat the evil. Which is, they're, so their superhero themes are kind of incompatible with Lovecraft themes. Um, and I, I feel that's uh, part of a Sometimes I think they're they're uh, odd mix. Sometimes I think they're a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, most of the so I feel that if Batman is to win, there's a price to be paid. Mm-hmm. So that's all, how I think they make it Lovecraftian. Gotcha. A what's body or ex- price to be paid. <laughs> what's the explanation here of what Roz turns into? I don't think there is much of an in- inspiration there. I. Um, I mean, they they are fighting, and uh, but but like that kind of turns more de- demonic, but it, it's not really. Maybe there's some sort of a being imposing itself over him, but there, there's no real good in, uh, explanation within this story. So those are just little parts for me where it's like, and I know I'll laugh, and you can laugh, and anybody else can laugh when I say where I start to feel like dumb of like. How how did I just read that and I don't wait? What did I miss here? How did he turn into that? I don't, huh? Yeah. And so I just felt like I kind of missed it, and then I kind of just accepted it and was like, okay, whatever. He just turned into that thing, and now Batman is a bat. Batman is man bat, and they're fighting each other now. <laughs> okay. And then Eoxatha comes up and basically yeah. swallows Talia. Yeah, I should that sucks. should mention that there's <laughs> that this is somewhat. Similar to uh, Len Rian and uh, Bernie Wrightson did a, a Lovecraft-inspired story back in uh, Swamp Thing in the 70s. There uh, it is. The Lurker in Tunnel 13. I was with, waiting uh, for a Swamp Thing drop. <laughs> M. Nagala and, uh, no, not Yogg-Sothoth, whatever this is, uh, looks similar. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it looks similar down in the pit. I think it, once it rises up, it looks quite different and not shaped like anything other than it has some tentacles and it's a big mass. So yeah. it's very Lovecraftian in the classic sense of uh, Lovecraft always, um, a lot of times he would say that his uh, monsters are indescribable. I, I have a hard time describing what this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the perfect description. Yes. <laughs> indescribable. Perfect. It has some tentacles. That's about the only thing I can, can really say. Yep. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not, I can't fully explain how it's destroyed. No, I can't either. That seems to be a little bit. I mean, Etrigan destroys it, but why Etrigan to destroy it? I'm like, okay, he destroyed it. Cool. Fair enough. I don't need a full, yeah, I don't need a full on breakdown of how it happened because I almost feel like that would be a big exposition dump. And then I'd be like, well, I didn't even, I didn't need to know that. It's just like they did, and then they just I mean, needed to be at the right place at the right time to destroy them with fire. Yeah, yeah. and mission accomplished. <laughs> and then the always a cool explosion when it's like massive explosion underground. Mm-hmm. So then you know manhole covers blast off, and here we got a fire hydrant that erupts, and you know flames shooting out of everything underground. I mean that's just a cool couple of panels, and you get a great like rebuild, rebuilding Gotham. Yeah, from Tim, who's now in charge of Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, and it's you know like, and poor almost, Harvey gets burnt up with it. He does, but you know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's better off just 
bye. Because he yeah. does, he doesn't want to live with a portal shooting out at his left side. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool and a you know a tragic sort of ending for that. Bruce's permanent shape now is as the man bat, and yeah. he is shut you know, off from humanity. Yeah, but alone in this dark attic. <laughs> I mean, but you know, Tim even says, you know, at the press conference of. As you know, Mr. Wayne was injured in the fire. He has withdrawn from public life, but he assures me that he will be watching us all. And should Gotham ever need him, he will be there. And then it cuts to inside. Like you're seeing each panel like getting closer and closer. And then eyes are looking out of the tower or one, you know, one of the mm-hmm. highest rooms in Wayne Manor. And it's Bruce is the bat. And he says, And God help you all if you ever again have need of me. So very it's much a Bruce Wayne like, thing to say. Yeah, a Batman thing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he's gonna be there. You know, he's waiting. If he gave us a signal, and if somebody shines <laughs> a signal, then then I'll go. So he doesn't. He doesn't end up dying in this story, but yeah, it's kind of permanent... the, the Red Raid ending again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice comparison. Uh, you wouldn't see this isn't going to happen and be the end in like a main Batman story. Oh no. This is something meant for. And like you just said too, the red rain story, uh, else world's tales. So that's like a cool benefit of, I didn't remember. This is how it ended. I didn't remember that. This is how Bruce ended this story either. So it -hmm. was fun rereading it and experiencing all this and then seeing where it ends up. It was, quite an adventure yeah. without knowing the Lovecraft eyes. <laughs> oh, we missed one in there. Yeah. have at it. I was going to yeah. say, is there anything to touch on that you wanted to touch on? We haven't yet. Well, Herbert West MD shows up in there. That's Herbert West reanimator from the Lovecraft story that would turn into the oh. animator. <laughs> well, I do know the movie. <laughs> of course I know the movie, but it no, gives, not the book, it but gives cool. new, new meaning to the word giving head. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Slapping an explicit on this episode. Now. No, I'm just kidding. Was there. Should, should was... I say that the color out of space gives new meaning to the words uh, mother son bonding? Oh, God. I don't, well, I don't need to explore that any further, Robert. <laughs> Were there any other moments in the doom that came to Gotham uh, you wanted to touch on, though, that we hadn't yet? I think we we hit all the main points. You're good. Um, okay. I mean, the art, the the Lovecraft references, mm-hmm. the villains that were modified. I mean, I like seeing Batman with a bow. I think it before year zero, so I think they did a good job with that. Yeah. All right. The- uh, <laughs> destroying the the Gotham Cathedral again feels like it's of a piece yeah. with Gothic and uh, uh, what I would expect out of a uh, a Lovecraftian story like this. The perfectly there's, there's described, the perfectly described, indescribable monsters. Yeah, we touched on those. And, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I I had fun with this one. I think okay, I had more good. fun rereading it uh, the third time. I think uh, right now. Yeah, I think I because I don't have a physical copy. I do mm-hmm. like this one enough that yeah, when that new when the new one drops, which is just a you know. When we drop this episode, the movie will be coming out yeah. in a week. 
And then a week after that, the new collection of the book, which I don't know if that means that there's extras that weren't maybe it's just a full on front to back reprint of the one that was in 2015. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to pick it up because I, I'd like a physical copy of this as well. Yeah, at, at very least, I'd like a introduction by Magnolia. I hope uh, so. Talk about cool. Batman and Lovecraft and that would be fun. It's not too late, Robert. Why don't you try and write to them and say, hey, I'll handle the the introduction. I'll do a commentary. <laughs> if they ask in the me, back. I'll be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. A, a commentary. Uh, yeah. Where you can be like, this nod to this nod to. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and I could I could do an annotated version. And I please. I should add that I do like that uh the ending does have consequences. It, it's not a return to the status quo. It kind of sets up a, a, a new one with the uh consequences that's that's one of the advantages of the elseworlds that you 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 can go to these permanent changes that you, you couldn't do in a monthly comic that's a good point um because i totally agree with that of course there's some there's a comfortability in i mean the same thing for some tv series some movies and even in some comic books that you know yeah there's going to be advent an adventure but we're kind of safe with this because we yes. know I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to end in a familiar spot. Yeah. And with Elseworlds, yeah, like you said, uh, there's consequences. It's mm -hmm. changed. Where he's at when it ends is not where it's at when he when the story starts. So that keeps that does help yeah. keep this one. That's like, my big fear with the now. upcoming movie. It's yeah. I should say that's my biggest fear with the upcoming movie. Mm -hmm. Is it just gonna? Batman defeats the bad guy then. <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, because you already said it, I'm going to go out of order in these okay. last questions. So usually, I mean, you've been on this before. Mm -hmm. um, animated, would you like to see the story adapted in animation? And I think it could uh, be fun. <laughs> it has been. And we're just waiting for it to arrive yes. <laughs> so we can watch it. Um, and we had a discussion that we went back and forth on. Do you want to wait until the movie comes out so we can add that? Or do we want to talk about it before we've seen the movie? Or how do we want to do this? And we came upon, like, we liked this episode and this discussion dropping before the movie. And then we'll see it. Um, I actually, I watched the trailer when it dropped. And I kind of forget. Because it was just once. And it was, like, in the middle of, like, a work day. So I don't think I even fully paid attention. So I'm almost thinking of just... Not even revisiting that and just watching the movie completely blind. But yeah. what what is your opinion on? I assume did you watch the trailer? I've I've seen the the trailer and there seems to be a lot of uh, explosions and punching in there. So I think we're, yeah. we're, we might lose a little bit of flavor there. There, sure. I think it could be more Batman than it is Lovecraft. Yeah, well, I feel that this one is more Lovecraft than it is Batman. It, it's yeah. a Batman adventure in Lovecraft's world. <laughs> Yeah, I did see that it's 90 um, minutes. I which feel that is, one's just going to be a, a Batman adventure with Lovecraftian elements. At, at 90 minutes for, you know, that's it's going a little longer. Now, Long Halloween, I need to say before anybody thinks, but Long Halloween is like two and a half hours. That was a two-parter. Yes. A, like two movies and then eventually put together as one movie. But this is just one story, one movie. 90 yeah. minutes so i'm kind well, of interested of of how much of the story um they're gonna include in that if this is an adaptation or if the movie kind of is inspired by the book you know what i mean 
I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be more inspired by. Which, but that, we'll that's see. also okay for me. Um, yeah. I, w- I would like the time period, and I hope the atmosphere um, is really cool. Yeah. Those, are, I, those are my hopes. Yeah. And they got Jeffrey Coombs, uh, mm-hmm. reanimator himself, in it. So I hope <laughs> he gets a nice monologue. <laughs> yeah. Where he just gets to lead into the Lovecraftiness of it. Yeah. So. Do you have reservations? Are you totally looking forward to it? Or how are you feeling? Well, I mean, I do have some reservations from the trailer. I I, I think it's going to... It, it it has the chance to end up just being another Batman uh, story yeah. with, without these consequences at the end. And I feel like the consequences and the body horror aspects are kind of necessary to, to get the... to make this something different than just another Elseworld. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but I mean, we'll see. Another... I mean, I could be totally wrong and be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I think as soon as you watch it, you're going to let me know what you think. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll do the same if somehow, some way I see it before you do. Yeah. Um, now let's hop into some favorites. Robert, what was your favorite part of the doom that came to Gotham? I really like the, the opening in Antarctica. I'll, I'll nice. tell you that. Yeah, I, I think it, it's nice and atmospheric. It promises adventure. It promises horror. Uh, it promises that the mountains of madness, although it doesn't do that, but it does kind of encompass uh, some of the aspects of that. More of the notable ones, like the the weird penguins uh, mm-hmm. come up in there, um, stuff buried in the ice coming back alive, and uh, yeah, I like that. The isolation, I feel all of that's uh, handled very well. Nice. Um, my favorite part, like I'm with you. I really, I really do like the opening, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think my favorite part is the flashback. Um, it's a good one too. <laughs> a lot of information is told then, but it didn't feel like it bogged the story down. Instead, it, it um, it helped boost up what we'd read and experienced so far in the it story. Put the pieces together. <laughs> yeah, and which you know, a good flashback should do. Uh, yeah. So. I think I think that was my favorite part when I sat and actually really thought about it. Now, how about a favorite panel? I I do like we, when we see what uh, Harvey Dent turns into. Yeah, that's your thing, yeah. Robert's Robert's dream. <laughs> that's my body horror quotient yeah. <laughs> that I was looking forward to. <laughs> if I end up in a horror story, I want to give birth to a portal on the left side <laughs> of my face. Uh, it's a weird choice for me. But I really like when the ship is uh, approaching Gotham, that full page. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's, why. A nice, just, that's a nice uh, atmospheric shot of Gotham. Yeah. And it just se- it seems kind of cinematic, you know, like you could almost hear, you know, it'd almost be like the camera's facing the guys on the ship as they're like, ah, we're here or whatever, you know, and then it cuts yeah. to this big shot of them arriving somewhere and the music hits or something like that. I don't know. There's just something about it. And then of course, you can, um, you can practically feel the soot in, the, in that shot too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it's even got Mignola co on, you know, one of the building signs and then Nixie vinegar and then fishy cake port. And then I'm guessing like a T for like port. Uh, I don't get that one, but that's okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't get it. It's not a reference that I'm aware of. <laughs> Maybe that was for one of their friends, Fishy. No, it, it may be a, an oblique reference towards uh, uh, 
the Shadow or Innsmouth, which is a port city that's populated by half men, half fish people. Well, there you go. I knew, <laughs> see you put the pieces together. Include that in your in your commentary, okay? Um, so, I mean, before we get out of here, then Robert, just like what are what are your overall thoughts of of this story? Then I your enjoy final it. thoughts. I, I, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I think it's something different and I think it's effective for what it does. And I think the it's very atmospheric and it, the Lovecraftian bits, I think, work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it 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 carries through with a story you're just not going to get in the uh, regular Batman book, which kind of justifies the Elfworld's uh, seal. <laughs> if I'm just going to get another Batman story, uh, why do I have to have an Elseworlds on it? <laughs> yeah, and I think that totally merits its um why it exists uh it's it is something different um elseworlds i think needs to promise you something different um the look is different from the comics at that time period setting and all that stuff so i'm with you on all that and then someone who's just i mean i almost if i if i say uneducated that makes me sound like i'm dumb and maybe i am but i'll just say like someone that's very just unfamiliar um, I got tells you what's cool about Lovecraft. <laughs> the the entertainment I think that you got out of it that level I think I did too without you know the knowledge of the of the nods and stuff. Um, just firmly as just a story as a comic book story, yeah. I was entertained. There were parts that of course kind of I was like eh, this little bit here, this little bit here. But like I said at the beginning of our talk, of that was kind of short lived though. It didn't go on too long to where I was really taken out of it. It was it was kind of quick and then it moved on and, and it kept me kept me hooked. So I think it's like it's entertaining. Um I have it digitally, I know, but yeah, I'm gonna pick up the the trade paperback when when that yeah. drops too. It's and and that's saying something about the story, and I do like it if I'm mm-hmm. gonna go double dip again. I I feel that also it's nicely colored. Maybe yeah. we didn't talk about that enough, but I feel that it's it is a good looking book for coloring. They got the the griminess of it, but it also mm-hmm. uh, is very clear. Um, it looked it, it was it looked very very nice on my iPad. So I mean that's another thing too. Of, you know I'm that, now this sounds really dorky, but yeah, Dave Stewart colored of, it. No kidding. What kind of paper are they going to print this on in the new trade paperback? Is it going to be glossy or is it going to be a little bit you know thicker? I'm curious because then then I can do a compare and contrast of. Does this look, oh, man, this looks so much better even holding it in my hands or oh, they kind of screwed up the coloring. It looks a lot better to me on a on a screen. So um, I look forward to I look forward to that. Yeah, I, I uh, see Dave Stewart colored it and that makes complete sense because he's yeah. really one of the best in the industry. Sweet. Yeah. Um, Robert, I want to thank you for coming back on the Batman Book Club. Oh, it was fun. It's, it's always, always a, it's always a pleasure to be on. I don't get to talk Batman enough in the if I. Well, that's a job. shame. That's a shame. <laughs> you should always be able to, but uh, yeah, I, this... I should I should uh, mention that Lovecraft with his uh, weird penguins was doing a uh, uh, homage to a Edgar Allan Poe story. Also, that ends up at the uh, South Pole, basically. <laughs> Which one is that? Weird birds that go to Killy Lee, to Killy Lee. Uh, that one's called uh, the the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. It, it's actually not complete, but it's uh, pretty good. I have a collection of uh, 
horror story set at the South Pole called The Antarctic Cycle I picked up in the 90s. My goodness. Uh, but it has stories like the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, uh, uh, The Sphinx of the Ice Field by Jules Verne, which is kind of a sequel to the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, At the Mountains of Madness, and uh, The Thing from Another World in there, among other things. So, See, people, it's you a, thought you nice were done. Stuff. You thought you were done learning. <laughs> he, dropped, he dropped one more on you. Yeah. I'll sneak that on you. Uh, Robert, why don't you go ahead and plug away anything and everything that you'd like to for people okay. can follow you and hear your your wise thoughts even more. <laughs> well, so, sometimes I'm not as smart as I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. I do yeah. all too well. <laughs> but I have two podcasts. One is Swap Things with what uh, Ryan generously plugged earlier. Um, we have a upcoming issues. The one coming in. Uh, well, the one coming in April will uh, feature Batman in it. Woo! Of... <laughs> That'll be a lot of fun where you're going to see the, the longest uh, bat ears this side of Kelly Jones. <laughs> That's saying something. And a ginormous cape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So that that's what that's a classic, and uh, the month after that, we're gonna do uh, the Weed and Rights in Lovecraft uh, homage issue, awesome. uh, the Lurker in Tunnel Thirteen. Um, I also have a a, a movie podcast, uh, Still Watching the Skies, where we uh, discuss uh, lesser seen science fiction films. This month, we have coming up a comic book related one, uh, Superman and the Mole Men, which will be an interesting change of pace. Ooh, <laughs> you know your audience, though. I do know it. <laughs> you know your audience. There you go. Excellent. Um, so that can be found on the Where the Long Tail Ends feed. You search for Where the Long Tail Ends in any of the pod uh, catchers, and they'll find it. There you go. Uh, back to Swamp Things. Um, now is the time because, I mean, anybody listening, listen now, listen to the two episodes Robert's been on before. You know that he does the work, that he does his homework, and <laughs> Swamp Things, he knows uh, Swamp Thing, and a lot of people now are doing some homework themselves because of the announcement of, you know, future DC slate, and one character announced in that is Swamp Thing, so yeah. people are going to start digging into Swamp Thing some more, so I highly recommend uh, check out Robert's podcast on yeah. that as you read along. Yeah, and if you're reading the Alan Moore, you're going to run, you're going to find out that the he touches on a lot more of the DC universe than you might expect. Excellent. There you go. Follow him. Um, Robert knows what he's talking about. As for <laughs> me, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you can follow me anyway, if you'd like, on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for latest episode drops, upcoming episodes, sometimes some giveaways. Um, go there now to help vote and get us through the bracket challenge of this of this month or of this year because if um at the time this is dropping it's it's going underway and you will have seen that this year's challenge is the greatest batman artist <laughs> which robert and i a, have been uh, talking uh, uh, oh i've been talking to robert I, I have about to say this that you're cruel it's Ryan. tough it's tough robert it's tough you're, you're a sadist <laughs> yeah you're, it's you're making me choose. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. Uh, this is I Sophie's can't list choice. them all. It is. <laughs> um, I can't list them all. And but I need people to uh, go and voice and help um, vote for 
vote for their champions. Uh, more votes, the more fun it is for sure. And it gets a lot of these results very, very close. Last year uh, was greatest Batman writer. And some of those, there was one, I think it was last year. If not, it might've been the first year. I'm pretty sure it was last year where there was a like 50 point something percent to 49 point something percent. And that's just always, that's just fun to, to see when it's like that close. It's just like a sports, you know, a game yeah. where a the scores really can close, make a so. difference. Yeah. So I, I just highly recommend go there and, and uh, cast your votes on stuff. But also if you haven't already go ahead and go to YouTube and subscribe to the Batman book club channel. Me and my pal Pete making our way through road to no man's land. Then going to venture on to no man's land. We're doing that on YouTube. We've been doing it on YouTube. So go there and check that out. If you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do that. Patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Tpublic.com type TBBC for the Batman book club. But if you don't want to spend any money at all, that's 100% A-OK. The easiest, most impactful, and quickest thing that you can do is rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. Whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever, just go to the rate and review page, rate and review the show. Because the more reviews it gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So, for the professor known as Robert Reinecke, I am the dumb student Ryan Lauer. And until next time, we are Panic Comics. Yeah!